everybody. Welcome to Wolf Ticket. Yes, that is Brendan Howling in the background there. Confirmed. Um, we have to keep it a secret. But. Yeah, well, it's out now. Um, welcome to Wolf Ticket. I'm Keech here with co- uh, co-host Brendan Stapp. we got a special guest today, Zach Leibold. Um, we are doing a special episode, which we'll get into uh, the reasons in a bit. Um, but let's kick off how we know Zach. Because I still, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was that day we went golfing at, uh, what was it, Wild Hawk, Wild Horse? Which one's the one in, like, Elk Grove? Wild Hawk. Wild the, Hawk. the crappy one. But I, I don't know Zach at this time. Nick's years, living with What you, year is this? Fucking, tw- when did you live with Nick in the Bradshaw house? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that would be 2011. Yeah, so it's like, we're 21, 22 years old, and... Nick's like, hey, I need you to pick up my roommate. He's like, he stayed over at this girl's house, now your future wife, picking you up from, what, what was that called, too? It's like the little weird houses. Oh, the element. The element, yeah. yes. And uh, Zach is literally, <laughs> oh, Jesus. he is laying on a park bench, like, outside the element. And I'm like, a taxi driver, Zach? <laughs> and he's like, yep. <laughs> Jumps in the car, still... Still probably drunk, <laughs> just and uh, you know, just go out and play golf, and that was probably the first time I met Zach. I can't think of an earlier time, but no, that, I can't either. Yeah, but it was that day, and uh, it's yeah. a good one to start on, dude. That house, though, there's some good memories because uh, another time, because I I went over there a few times to pick up Nick for things, and our friend Eric Cheney lived with you guys. Oh, Eric. and uh, <laughs> and I pull up, and I couldn't remember if it was the right house, and you know, he looked young, so I was like, hey. Is this Nick's house? And he goes, no, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, see ya. So I drive off. I text Nick, and I was like, hey, man, I don't remember where you live. He's like, my roommate just left. So I turn back around. I was like, hey, you sure Nick doesn't live here? He's like, oh, sorry, man, I'm just no snitch. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh okay. Oh Dude, do I look like a cop? <laughs> like, Probably wearing like a floral. Like, what, what the hell, Eric? <laughs> so, so good. Also, also pretty good guy, though. But, yeah, lots of Eric Cheney stories that definitely can't be shared on the pod. But he, uh, good times. Good Eric, times at that house. Eric Cheney, I'll never forget the morning Nick and I woke up and Eric had had a little too much to drink. And in the backyard, he had thrown up all over the backyard. And he tried to clean it up by putting Ziploc bags on his hands <laughs> and using Ziploc bags. Like, oh, no. So we just found a bunch of throw up in Ziploc bags That's just all mixed around the backyard <laughs> in the kitchen. And Eric just fast asleep. Just no problem at all. Thought he did a great job, I'm oh, sure. That's awesome. That sounds about right, though. It's par for the course for that guy. So, <laughs> I mean, he's married. He's matured. He's got his life together. He's grown now. Yeah. I was going to say, I saw him. He played in, what, our first event? Yeah, he played at Morgan Creek. Yeah, and then hasn't. I don't know what event that was. I think that was the yeah, first. The yeah, the first one, the kickoff one. This so. year? Yeah. Or yeah. last year? Yeah, I he remember w- seeing him. Yeah, like, he played with, I think, Bardet and Gilly, maybe? Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and that fun four-man scramble event yeah. with the Buckets Fireball. Well, if you're listening and you don't know how I know Zach, <sighs> then you don't know us. Mm. Because Zach's probably the most important person in my college career, besides Chris Ferreira. He's my big bro in Pike. Um, hit it off right away, and uh, we've been in, in love ever since. So, <laughs> been very yeah. romantically in love. We have a few weird, we have a weird, few weird things in common. His birthday's literally the day after mine, but a year later, somehow he's my big bro. It doesn't math out. Um, yeah, most of my little bros are I, older. Are older yeah. than me. Yeah. yeah, 
Outside but of James, or is James? James not, is not my little no, brother. James no. is the same class as him. Hmm. But um, even adding the weirder. If for some reason Zach denied picking me, James was my second mm. choice, which would have been hilarious. It's like one of the very few times I've beaten James in anything. So that's cool. <laughs> well, that's good for you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but that was during the four earrings and hair era. Of James. He said five. So I only, I only <laughs> had, I only had. Well, technically, I had an earring in both ears, and at that point, I think it was when I had my industrial and my. Uh, cartilage, oh. which is just a yeah, horrible decision. Yeah, I remember decision. something about just that. Just a horrible, yeah. horrible decision, especially with the ear shape that I have. So. <laughs> yeah. well, we have Wi-Fi out here that, right that, now. So. That was uh, one of our concerns having you on. Would the headphones fit? <laughs> you know? But, you know, the headphones aren't required. So no, you're just, just going to get better reception. Yeah. Now. It's all good. We have great reception out here right now. We're fooling six bars right now. Yeah, so. that's right. Did, did you know many? we have 6G? Yeah, <laughs> 6G bars right now. I'll tell you what, between me and Copeland, you should see the Wi-Fi at the house. Oh, man. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, boy. <laughs> Just wait as he gets older. No, that's true. That's true. But uh, get bigger. Yeah, Zach's not just important, though, to Keech's friendship, apparently. You know, and I have to say, side note, before we get into your DGA role, every time Keech talks about how much he loves all these other guys, it's like, okay, cool, I'm sitting right here, and we've banished your wife to the house. <laughs> it's like, I guess, guess we just exist, <laughs> as he flirts with our guests every week. But... It's fine. It's fine. I'm okay with this. But, uh, no, Zach is very important. He is the guy who manages the money for the DGA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is no easy task. And Probably one of the harder tasks, I would imagine. Yeah, we yeah. said we said James is pretty tough, but, I mean, that's just because... No it's just a people job, though. Yeah, yeah, but we all agreed everyone likes James, so it's perfect for it's him. It's perfect and for I, him. Me sitting there doing accounting. Every, sure. Everyone sure. does like James. <laughs> James, I, I think it's true. I mean, outside of... I can only think of one person directly that probably hates James. <laughs> Off the top of my head, it's just one guy. But uh, other than that, I don't think James has many haters, so it is a, it's good for him to talk to the league. And it's good for Zach to manage our finances. Yeah. Because if you know Zach, he's always been really good with money. And he's just very anal. When I met period. Zach when he was twenty eight no, you were nineteen or twenty. Yes. He had already he was just selling his first house <laughs> to buy his second and he was nineteen. Mm-hmm. So he's always been good with money. So it works out. Um, we're glad he helps the DGA in that way. Uh, if you're a DGA member, just know your money's in good hands. Uh, yeah, we have ninety-five s- percent of the time because it's in Zach's hand. The other five percent, well, we'll, the final is at a casino. So, yeah. so we'll see. Yeah, that's the five percent. We have contemplated just putting the winnings on black. Hey, it was there. It's not. Yeah. But uh, no, we we have a color-coded spreadsheet for the DGA budget yeah, for for a pro bono random golfing <laughs> with have. formulas and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> it, it gets wild in there. But uh, so how do you feel? You uh, feeling good going into the final? We're we're literally a week away. I don't know. No. No. I don't feel good. I had a really bad round at uh, Whitney Oaks. I know you guys were talking shit about it last a, a couple Oaks. weeks ago, but I think Lee might have said it. I don't know. Whitney and Lee used to work there. No, oh, okay. So there's some past but, history. Okay. Yeah. But, but I, we've played there a bunch, and we hate the layout. Yeah, it's not a not an easy one, and I I can't figure out hit a, how to hit a driver. And then we looked at the scorecard today, and it's extremely long. So we'll see how we play. But uh, I'm there for the fun. We'll yeah. call it that. It's going to be a fun weekend. Well, yeah. we are in the same group, so that'll be... You two are, right? That's yeah. true. Yeah. We, That's true. It's, it's by last name. Yep, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> how we sorted it. <laughs> Earlier this week, Zach was like, uh, it's, all, uh, it's all alphabetical. And <laughs> going into this, it made no sense because I would come before Chris, Chris <laughs> Keach. I should be in first because Chris Keach 
Brendan Stapp, Lee Clothier are all tied. So there's no scenario where I'd end up in the middle, but somehow I was in the middle. <laughs> and so I was like, I don't know how we land on alphabetical. That's why we leave Zach to do the money. So, but uh, I can't read. But <laughs> Dude, he can only read numbers. Yeah, hey, I was fine. Whatever works. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we do we do have a fun final. It'll be good. So you're not feeling good though. Individual play. I'm coming to win. I always play my worst under pressure. God. <laughs> well, I, I, I hate to say it, though. You played your best round I think I've ever seen when we were at Wild Horse in Davis. Well, We went with Brett, Chase, you and I. Yeah, I shot yeah. an 80 yeah. there. I, last time we played there, I had the Charlie guy that I never mm, met before yes, that day. Yes. I drank like six tall cans uh truly's on the first on the front nine mm. um but he was carrying me so it was like i had no pressure so swing free i was playing good and i have i've not played good since oh. I, was like, oh, I did this once it's not not that easy yeah it's not that easy and solo play is going to be a little tricky so yeah that's that's going to be one where i it, like i said i'm bringing my overalls mullet's already cut you know maybe buy a whole box of cigarettes i don't know how they're sold <laughs> just really because it's a john daly designed course but i'm gonna be a john daly inspired course for me so makes sense uh but yeah i i mean then zach is also part of the fantasy league yeah i don't even know so because i'm at the bottom i'm not worried about anyone else so how is your season going your season going good you know it's funny when you i was listening to the james episode and i was like okay so uh they're the bottom two i've <laughs> got to be doing okay i think i'm actually I just added. I'm the bottom three. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, you're you're ninth. Oh, I'm ninth. Four. Oh, I got yeah. somebody. Yeah. So you're not doing. Yeah, I mean, you're beating Nick. Oh well, that makes sense. But you're. Oh. He's got I half mean, the two and two. Roster, yeah, exactly. But five through nine is all two and two. It's just by points, and you're only five points out of eighth and fifteen out of seventh. It's anybody's day out there. Well, for anybody's yes. day. For you listening at home. Who do you play that means this I'm week? Not that far out of it. Uh, who do I play this week? Let me see. I play. Uh, oh, you Nick. play Nick. No, oh, perfect. <laughs> so. You're gonna be just fine. So yeah. there he goes, it's climbing up the leaderboard. <laughs> and uh. since Broncos played, he probably yeah, he had two <laughs> players go already. <laughs> they performed at standard. Yeah, standard so. So. Yeah. you're still favored. So you're, you'll be you fine. know those projections. Those are super helpful. Yeah, so dude. I live and die by those. So. I hate projections. Nick, if you're listening, your tight end is now out. So you're gonna have to make a roster move. Don't say it didn't Don't help you with anything. Some, yeah, well. That's on him if he doesn't listen it's for true. Sunday. So, but uh, speaking of tight ends, uh, that is not a butt comment. <laughs> we're, we're actually <laughs> <laughs> we, we were uh, telling Zach before the show we have uh, we've tried to reach out to the Packers tight end because Zach Can you is say a his big name for us Packer fan Josiah Deguara. Yes, so yeah. we've reached out to him. So a guy I know Ross Nichols and his uh, girlfriend Jordan Kirsch. I'm gonna mess this up. Kirsch check. Kirsch check. Sure. They go. They now live in Colorado, but they were members at our gym. They just moved to Colorado, and I saw, for some reason, we got. We decided to follow. So the Folsom High, you know, team that was like team. ridiculous, right? The ones that went undefeated. Yeah. And they like all went off to do pretty well in college yeah. and whatnot. So there's like a core group of like four dudes, like Jake Browning, mm-hmm. his offensive lineman, who unfortunately can't remember his name, and then Josiah, and another guy, and they. You know, Jake Browning posted a picture with Josiah, the, the yeah. lineman for the Bengals, and himself. And I was like, oh, let's just go follow those guys. And so Josiah comes back to Folsom all the time. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he's actually got his jersey, just was signing jerseys at uh, Iron Bulldog up in Folsom. Didn't uh, even let me know. I didn't know it was happening until it, all, it came well, and went. I mean, I'm a Packer owner. He should have yeah, exactly. told me that he was in my he, presence. Is he even allowed to be? <laughs> yeah. Did you approve that travel? Yeah. I, 
I, I didn't get a vote in it. Damn. I'm going to have to call my so people. So I, I saw that the Wolf Ticket pod and Josiah had mutual people that we follow. I'm like, who the hell do we? And I click, and it's Ross and Jordan. So I reached out. I'm like, hey, I know Ross so, and Jordan. Like, if you want to come on, we can send you a link. We've been following your – now we're following your career. Yeah. Like, looking out, good, you know, doing work, good job. You're playing for the freaking Packers. Like, no big deal, whatever. You need me to call his agent? I need yeah. you to do something. Well, no, if you're an, an owner, if you're an owner you just, just get him out here. I know people. Yeah. Well, we thought we knew people, but they're not. They're clearly not good enough, so we need help. It's well, true. Did you ever look into what is the Ross relationship? Did you ask Ross? Yeah, so Jordan, his girlfriend, Jordan's, really good friends like in their core group with his fiance mm, okay who's living here right now but she's i guess about to move to wisconsin and then he'll get traded out and then here. he'll get traded yeah. to like arizona or something yeah. but yeah he's uh but he's like second string right no i it's hard to figure out as he's he's like he plays snaps he does yeah. but we have four guys that play snaps and he oh, okay. probably yeah i'd call him second yeah, yeah i guess yeah he probably gets like 25 percent or something Jesus. Yeah, so, yeah, we, so yeah. okay, That's we're going to get football. 25. We've got a blocking tight end that just, he blocks. He's not a, then we have a special teams tight end, and okay. then we've got the two guys that catch, and he does. He catches catch. probably second. Yeah, he's okay. like behind Tunyon. Oh, yeah, he's behind Tunyon. Yeah, okay. he's behind Tunyon. He get, we somebody, saw, I saw him playing. Somebody else. Well, yeah, he's in, like you said, you somehow got that. Either you looked at it and you're lying to me, uh, but yeah, 25% of the snaps is what yeah, it says. Yeah, because Mercedes Lewis is yep, in a lot because of running. Mercedes Lewis is. Aaron forgot how to throw a football. Fuck, Mercedes Lewis, 38 years old. Hey. Big Damn, dog. He's been in the league. 42 percent of snaps at thirty eight years old. Big dog, man. You're gonna blow your back out. You know, he said he he would retire, but something about that environment there in Green Bay. <laughs> I think it's keeps the him cheese. Around. Could be so, the could be the cheese. I or don't the know. drugs that Aaron's probably providing. Yeah, to that's gonna, true. So, so do you think Aaron Rodgers deserves to be in jail? Because I, whatever episode we uh, we talked about that, you immediately texted and you're like, I don't know if I'm listening anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't like to speak ill of Aaron. I. I agree with a lot of what Aaron says. I think he's just a fascinating character. I don't agree with all of it, but he I think he's a fascinating dude. And I, I listen to him on Pat McAfee every Tuesday, and he is, man, he is radical. So, is he so Hall of Fame or prison though? I mean, where does he belong? Is there a prison <laughs> Hall of Fame? <laughs> because, there, yeah, yeah, they made a movie about, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Yard, Henry Ruggs, Henry Aaron Hernandez. Oh, <laughs> R.I.P. Ben, ben Roethlisberger probably Ben, in there ben Roethlisberger deserves to be in there, but <laughs> asterisk, Jesus, he didn't make it. Jesus. Him and Ray Lewis, they don't count, but... <laughs> True. I mean, o- I'm O.J. doesn't count either. Yeah, exactly. OJ, the original o- doesn't count. O.J. didn't do it. And, you know, Hernandez was one good friend away from being Ray Lewis, so... That's true. <laughs> like, you know? What are we talking about? No, he was just an idiot. Yeah. I mean, he was a little reckless. That's what I'm saying. He was a little sloppy. Caught him on his own camera. I mean, yeah. what are you doing you know, it's like you could really look technology. back. Technology. Technology. <laughs> <laughs> we're worse that's, off with it. That's, that's, where, that's where Ray Lewis really got lucky. It's the early, <laughs> yeah. early 2000s versus the late 2001. 2000s. Yeah. He's safe. Yeah. There was no ring doorbells in yeah. there. Oh, man. We're terrible. Oh, if, if people got mad about hurricane jokes, we're talking about murder. Yeah. It <laughs> so, didn't really upgrade, did yeah, we? Yeah. We're, we're just going deeper and deeper the wrong direction. But, you know, whatever. I mean, that's life. But uh, so, yeah, who are you wearing? You're wearing Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs. Romeo I have, that? I have. He's the uh, stud receiver for the Packers. Nobody knows who he is. Nobody. But we didn't think the Packers had receivers. They didn't, and they <laughs> they don't. So somebody okay. has to go out there, and he <laughs> happens spot. to be the guy yeah. that goes out there, and he's done Run, pretty he well this season. He's a rookie, and, and he's done pretty well. So eh. so he's. The if next you're looking to trade him in fantasy and any league you have him, I'll take him. Do because I have his jersey. He's probably on the waiver, right? 
No. No, I think in our league, our dear he's friend on, Logan. I was going to say Logan, Logan has him. Logan knows so, that I wanted him, so Logan so went and grabbed cuts. him. Yeah. I was going to say, so anyone that he just targets people that he knows other That'll guys That'll trigger want. other people. Yeah, exactly. See, that's like, why I don't talk too highly of the Dolphins. He'll be like, oh, let me swoop up the fourth string, you know, well, tied in or something. Luckily, the Dolphins are good, so everyone sure. that would be needed is gone already. Well, the that's Packers true. are decent. Yeah, but yeah, Romeo but Dobbs was an unknown. Romeo Dobbs is, eh, he's an unknown, yeah. And he'll probably send you he's, a trade request for, like, who's your best player? Oh, no, dude. <laughs> he sent me some garbage offer for Waller once, and then he he just... I think he keeps trying to get Waller and Dobbs as part of it. Yeah, what is he doing? I don't know. Bless his heart. Plays good fantasy, though. He always ends up with a pretty good team. He's just a, sh- a snake or a shark. I'm not sure which one. He takes, some advantage. Type of he takes advantage of the, yeah. the, the bottom tier. He's some type of animal. Hey, you need this just to make your team better. Not, no offense. We can, we can, oh, dude, I needed to do that. <laughs> yeah, actually, I actually didn't think it was that bad of a trade. It, no, it wasn't that bad. He just, I was just mad because he was supposed to get Carlos, or he was supposed to get Diggs for CEH. Oh. That would have been fair. That's pretty. Uh, I think Diggs is better, but the run, no. the, the need of running back, need, dude. That's what I'm saying. I just need a running back. Well, the top ten running backs, that everyone picked and now he has good, five so. running backs on his yeah, team. No, no, and then I I did what Logan did, and I got Boone. So I'm waiting for Nick to hit me up on the new number two in Denver. Nick, no, he'll be the number yeah, but one. He'll Denver really doesn't good. even score touchdowns, so. <laughs> Why the hell would he want him? Because uh, Nick's a fan. Through, through, yeah, because let's ride. Let's ride. Dude, so <laughs> this morning, Keach and I checked in on Nick. And by checked in, we fucked with Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Warranted. Uh, yeah, so uh, changed our group chat with him to Broncos Fan Support Group. Uh, that's the name. Uh, didn't hear from him for like a good hour. Started to worry. <laughs> Heard from him, and it was in true Nick fashion. Like 25 individual text messages coming in one at a time. And then him justifying, I don't like Russell. And then he'd say, right now. Because I want to look back on this and be able to say I like him now, just not in this moment. Because uh, Russell looks pretty awful. Classic wordsmith, though, that Nick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. I'm still out my 50 bucks. Yeah. So do you know about that? Tony Romo has to die. Oh, yeah. So Tony Romo has to die for Nick to pay a keech. $50. Yeah. So. Was it because, wasn't it because of something like he was going to return to the Cowboys yeah. or something? Yeah. I said he'll never play in the NFL again. Oh, and and, Nick and was Nick's like, like, okay. Well, so the doors, he got a job. Doors, doors always open. You never know. when he's 80, he could play. You never know with technology. You never know. Fucking Nick. Yeah. So I kind of hope I'm just going to ask Paul. I'm going to send a request on Venmo to Paulina. $50. Cover your <laughs> fucking husband's bet. Yeah, because you're, hurt, so you're hurting for that 50 now i am yeah but uh it's no. a principle it's, dude it is the principle yeah, but the you know and he said multiple times he is not coming back he makes the same as he does as a quarterback to not be a quarterback why would you do that dude. and he's really good he's a fucking savant up there yeah it's true and he clearly didn't have the athletic ability to do what he sees that's what i think hurts me <laughs> it's like he's like reading a defense in the booth and you're like god you were so good at that why did he you suck so physically? Anyway. He was okay. He couldn't hold a PAT. Yeah, exactly. James. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they haven't been the same since. <laughs> like one, one tuck rule ruins the Raiders. One missed you know, field goal ruins the Cowboys. Those franchises haven't recovered. Nope. But uh, anyway, so why we have invited Zach here is Zach has asked to talk about mental health. And uh, I think it's one of those things that, you know, as you've listened to the first part of this show, you know, it's very known that Zach is just like all of us and mental health 
is part of everybody's life. So whether it affects you one way or another, it's more prominent than people realize. And I'm going to let Zach just take center stage and talk about what he wants to talk about. Yeah. Well, this is all fun and games. And I got the chills thinking about talking about it, but uh, it's funny. I, um, when I was leaving the house to come here, Allie asked me, she's like, you sure you want to do this? And for a brief moment, I paused because I was like, well, I don't know if anyone's going to listen or care or whatever it is. And do I really want to air out my shit? But I mean, ultimately, uh, I think it's the right thing to do. Um, I uh, think about all of you guys, like my friends and everything like that. And it's like, if anybody, I guess, is feeling the way that I've felt, uh, I just don't want them to think that they're alone in that. Um, because we all deal with our own stuff, our own shit, realistically. Um, so if it doesn't affect anybody, that's great. But if it does, if you want to talk to me, that's totally cool. But uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, where I've gone in the journey that I've kind of undertaken. Um, when I was 15 or 16 years old, I was diagnosed with uh, severe depression disorder. So my parents freaked out. Um, you know, cause they were worried about me and they wanted me to do something about it. So, um, I talked to a lot of different people, but ultimately never really made a decision to take any kind of medicine or anything like that. Um, fast forward a couple years. Um, and I was probably my freshman year of college. Um, I remember jumping into my motorcycle or onto my motorcycle at the time, uh, thinking that today is the day that I'm not going to get off. And I don't remember, there was a fight that I had with a previous girlfriend and I was just, you know, struggling with the change of being from high school to college. I wasn't doing very good in school, things like that. It was just, it was really tough on me. And then I had, you know, a previous girlfriend that, uh, we'd fight and it was really bad. And I just decided one day, like I even picked the, the overpass that I was going to crash off of. And I had told her, uh, what, what, what I was going to do. And I got on my motorcycle and I drove off probably too fast. And I got to the overpass and I chickened out and I'm glad I did, but obviously ended up having to go home. And at that point, uh, my parents were informed of what was going on. So, um, they gave me the national suicide prevention hotline number they didn't know what to do and I remember sitting in the closet of my parents house talking on the phone to some counselor about it um, but at that point you know my parents were like you have to do something about this so I got prescribed a low dosage antidepressant I was I don't know 19 or 20 years old um, that antidepressant was Wellbutrin and for probably two or three weeks I took it, but I wasn't really bought into it. I didn't really like believe that I needed anything. I thought it was okay. Like I was going to be fine. So I ended up stopping my prescription, never really did anything about it again. Um, and I've dealt with that. I would say that's my only, I guess, I don't even know if you call it an attempt, but it was my only plan. But for the last, you know, as long as I can remember, at least since I was 15 years old, I had a lot of thoughts of like, I don't want to be here. I don't deserve to be here. Um, 
I don't need to be here. Like it'd probably just be easier if I wasn't. The lack of stress, the lack of, I guess, like pressure or the lack of um, responsibility, I guess. I don't, I don't know, but it all just seems like a lot. And so I went, for, I went through that for about 15 years and ultimately, you know, through various phases of my 20s, um, when I moved to Memphis, uh, that was really hard because you guys, and it, you know, it's kind of a punchline and a joke, but like you guys know that I thrive on uh, social acceptance and I want people to like me. And that's part of a root of kind of what I've got going on where it's like, I like to find, I like, I like people to value me and appreciate me so that I can kind of have some semblance of self self-worth. So yeah, I, when I moved to Tennessee, it was like, I left everybody and I was like, everyone's going to forget about me. And, you know, I obviously was with Allie the whole time and we'd FaceTime and I'd come home and it was always like a big celebration to come home. But then I'd leave again and I just kept feeling lonely. And obviously those guys that were in Memphis are some of my very best friends, but there's nothing like the people you grow up with and, you know, kind of go through things and really know you the way that our friends do or some of our friends do. So when I came back home, I got a real shit job at Target. Um <laughs> And ultimately, I got that job and kept that job because it was a good paying job. And Allie was off chasing her dreams, as she should have. And she's an absolute killer in medical sales and what she does and like high prominent places. But I always wanted to just have a steady salary just so that she could kind of chase that goal. And one thing led to another. I'd get promoted or I'd get moved to locations or whatever it was. And... Um, I ended up in Davis as like the overnight logistics guy. So if you guys remember, I was always working at like 2 a.m. and I'd come home at like 4 p.m. And literally 14 hour shifts for a year, year and a half. And I would, it was, it was crazy because that was really like the hardest point of my life. And I would wake up an extra 30 minutes early so that I could sit in the shower with my head in my hands thinking like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you here? Like what, like you, there, it felt like there was no way out, you know? And then Copeland was born and I, the first six months of his life, while I was still working at Target. I just didn't even know him. Like I was just at work. I'd come home. I would think about work next day. I'd go back and it's 14, 15 hour days. Like, I'd have Allie sending me ang angry messages like, you need to come home. And I'd get like red alert text messages and things like that, emojis and things like that, <laughs> where I just knew she was pissed. And I was like, fuck, man. But it was like in my head, I couldn't escape it. I was in a tough job. Um, and I had to do well because I kept telling myself, like, this is how you're going to contribute and be a good dad. You know, you're going to set your, your kids up with all the money that you can earn and their life's going to be good. And like I said, I'd wake up at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning and just sit in the shower and just like, what the fuck, man? It's got to be better than this. It's got to be better than this. And, you know, I up until like a month or two ago, I'd drive anywhere I'd go or whatever it is. I'd be going through a really shit day or whatever it is. And it's like, what if I just swerved? Like, what if it was just done? You know, and I keep the one thing that like I've always like said since I was 15 was like, it's not that bad. Like, it's not that bad. Everybody goes through it. Everybody thinks like that. It's not a big deal. And then I, you know, I just kind of like 
pushed it down and I didn't even tell Allie the extent of how bad it was which was really fucked up like she takes care of you know we have a family and I was telling her that I didn't have any kind of thoughts like that and you know it's a straight up lie and I don't know like I remember when I finally left Target and I got a job that was just like normal, normal hours, you know, normal people. And I was like, man, this is it. Like, I'm going to take off. Like, all these thoughts are going to be gone and everything like that. And nah, you know, I was happier in my job. I was happier with my family. And it's still like, I still felt like I wasn't fulfilled. And then I, um, I latched on to this artist um, that I still go see. And Nick actually calls me a fan club of fan club of which is Dermot Kennedy um, and I just remember Copeland being a couple months old this is pre and post target I feel like I don't remember exactly the timeline but I would literally just my responsibility was put Copeland to bed every night and I would turn on his album and I would sing four or five songs just to Copeland when he's three four months old and I just remember like holding him like thinking like if it wasn't for you, I'd be done, man. Like, I would not be here. Like, there's no point. And, you know, at this point now, I have a, ki- I have, I have a son, so it's like I've got to be better. I've got to, you know, let him grow up with the dad that has taken care of himself and shows him how to be a responsible human being. And I just remember when he turned two or three, or I think it was two, two or something like that, but Tatum was... Um, Tatum was first, she was probably born maybe two, three months old, and we got Copeland a big bed, like a big kid bed, which mean we had, means we had to rearrange his room. And the chair that I ro- rocked him in for the first two years of his life, we moved into Tatum's room because we have a new baby, but Copeland came in, and when he noticed his chair was gone, he didn't even notice his big bed, he just noticed the chair was gone and said dad where's your chair like you know and I'm just like fuck and it, it broke me down because like I was feeling better at that point but I was just thinking about like every night for the first two years of his life I just sang him the same songs and thought about like why the fuck am I doing this and he noticed it like he didn't notice his bed he was like it felt like something that I lost with him with the connection that I had with him because like that was our thing to do every night so ultimately um i still have that connection with him now i just lay in his bed and we still sing songs and what's really cool he's four now and he can sing all of them like he knows the words to every song that i sing with him from dermot kennedy and it's like yeah you think the music's good but i think the the (laughs) message behind it's more powerful Mm -hmm. to me because of like the the time in my life that it has attention to which i guess leads me up to you know where I'm at now um Allie being the, ball, the baller that she is she goes out of town a lot and she has to go to t- out of town for like work shows and things like that and Copeland just started t-ball and he's I mean he just turned four but I don't know what your guys's first memory is as a human being but I feel like kindergarten was for me mm. yeah I'm trying to think I don't Smash my head. I remember soccer, but I think I was like six or seven. That cracked my head on a fountain. Big, 
traumatic yeah. like yeah, things, right? So, but like I think about that, and I'm like, shit, Copeland's gonna be at that age, if not now, very soon, where he's gonna remember who his dad is, mm. and what kind of person can I portray? Because like you, you've got two young ones, it's like you say a bad word or something, and it's like they're not gonna remember that, or you know. But like Copeland's, he's he's at that age where like I think like who I portray to him now is who he thinks of as his father. Yeah. And that was really hard on me. So he's in T-ball and it's his second practice and it's 140 degrees outside. <laughs> and Allie was out of town for a trip. So I had Tatum with me. And I mean, I'm more or less an assistant coach. Like I'm always out on the field doing stuff. So I'm, Tatum's running around the grass and I'm trying to teach Copeland on his second day of practice how to field a ground ball and all the other kids. And all the other kids are doing it and they're figuring it out and they're having a great time. And Copeland's just complaining like it's you know I'm hot I'm tired I want to go home I want to go watch cartoons xyz whatever the complaint is and I got so fucking mad I just I just got so angry like you're not a quitter you're not doing that like this is not acceptable and finally after 30 minutes I was like okay we're gonna go home and we got home and I, I couldn't stop being mad and it's not like I did anything to my kids. Mm -hmm. I would never, ever, ever do that. But I couldn't stop getting frustrated. Dad, can you get me water? And then I'd be like, what the, f like, why do you need so much? Like, you know, and, and that's terrible. But at the same time, it's like, I couldn't stop being agitated. And normally when I'm like that, Allie's right there to step in and be like, hey, go cool off. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to cool off. And I'm like, yeah, you're right because I'm good at noticing it, but I picked this up and I was like, I can't fucking, I can't fucking stop being angry. And I couldn't, I just, I didn't have any outlet. So that was really hard on me. And obviously I eventually got the kids to sleep and I called Allie and I told her, I was like, Hey, I was not okay. Like I need to get, I need to get some, some of this shit figured out. And she's like, yeah, you do, but only, you know, know how to do that. Like I can't force you to do anything. Mm -hmm. Well, the next day, we actually left for a bachelor party, um, ties in Vegas. And it was a Thursday through a Sunday. And Thursday was awesome. Obviously, we got in. And, you know, people were funneling in and we were doing our thing. And we kind of kept it low key. But we drank. And drinking, like, I woke up the next day and I felt so, f so fucking miserable. Like, I was thinking about what I did with Copeland. Like, I shouldn't even be here. Like, I'm being irresponsible, like this and that and the other thing. And all these guys are hung over, but you got James. He's fucking got a Coors Light, and he cracks it open with his teeth and shotguns it. And I'm sitting on the couch thinking, like, I don't even want to fucking be here. And when I say I don't want to fucking be here, I'm thinking, like, I don't want to be alive. Like, I was in a deep, dark place. And that's how I get when I drink sometimes, or like, the, after the drink, because it's, like, it compounds on, on itself. So anyway, like the whole bachelor party continues and during the course of the bachelor party, like I talked to Ty at one point and I'm like, hey man, like, I think I started with like, I don't think I can do these anymore. Like these bachelor parties He's like, yeah, man, I totally get it. It's, that's a lot on your family. I'm like, no, it's not. It's a lot on me. Like it's a lot on what I go through. And that's the first time I started talking about this. And I told him like, dude, these are the thoughts that I have. I'm sorry, and I, I feel horrible for doing it on his bachelor party, but, like, I was in a spot where I needed help, and, of course, Ty's, dude, he's like, there's nothing I'd rather be talking about, yeah. which was really cool. 
And I'm like, man, like I have these thoughts all the time. Like it's really hard on me. And like, I feel like I can't tell Allie about it because like, I don't want to, I don't want to feel like she has to take care of three people. Like we're supposed to take care of two. Mm -hmm. She shouldn't have to look out for me. Like I was freaking out and I'm like, this is normal, right? Like people do think like this, right? He's like, no. Yeah. He said, no, dude. Like people don't think like that. And that was like, my eyes got so fucking big. Like I was like, oh my God, I just broke down. And, you know, he listened and he talked to me and Ty, it, what was really cool is Ty has a different way of explaining things. He's, a, he always has, he's, yeah. he's, you know, he understands like the chemistry and the mm -hmm. medicine of it all and like the, the complexity of it. So he's breaking it down one way and it's like, this actually resonates with me. This makes sense to me. I told him that I'd spoken with a friend of mine and he said, you know, look out for if you have depression or if you have bipolar depression and I'm like, Oh God, that's a scary word to hear. But he's like, you have some of the symptoms, not all of them, but like you should keep an eye on it. And I'm telling Ty this and Ty's like, nah, dude, I don't think it's that. Like you're not Kanye West. You have these crazy manic episodes, things like that. And it's not like an insult, but like, that was kind of like what I think about when Kanye's on like these Twitter rants mm -hmm. and shit like that. He's like, that's manic. And he's like, you don't get like that. I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, that's a big indicator of what can be bipolar depression. So I was like, okay, so I felt good with the original diagnosis um, from Dr. Ty and you know I kind of let it go and I we ended up we wanted to go do this VR thing that we were in the place we were in and we signed up for it and we had like a 45 minute wait and all these guys were like um, yeah let's go get some food let's grab some drinks and I was like I was kind of emotionally tasked at, or taxed at that point so James and I went and grabbed just a drink at uh, one of the little outside bars and I'm talking to James like right after I talked to Ty and I was still kind of in disbelief of what Ty was saying so I was like man like I have a question for you and I asked him I was like do you ever think like this and he said no he had his own obviously answers and things like that and I'm not going to repeat James's words because that's not fair to him but like no resoundingly I'm like fuck dude okay like it's starting to feel like something's not right something's not okay with me mm -hmm. so i kind of slow my roll on drinking at that point and we ended up having another like for vegas it's a low-key night like we don't we didn't do vegas like people do like we went to bars and stuff like that so it was different so it was easy to stay low-key no one was really giving me shit for it and then the next day woke up and i again felt even fucking worse right like on Friday we did go to a pool party, but that's the afternoon, so low-key night. But Saturday I woke up feeling even fucking worse. Like like the same thoughts. Like these guys are kind of getting up, rallying, and I'm just like I'm fucking sitting on the couch. I'm sweating profusely. I'm struggling to just like, and I kept telling myself like you need to get up. Like you need to get up. And what I'm I'm not saying like physically stand up. I'm saying like you need to get your head up. Like mm -hmm. you need to figure something out. Mm -hmm. Like you need to make this happen. So naturally it's like you start drinking. And I had, a, I had a beer. I'm like, maybe this will help. And I'm like, this is not going to fucking help. So I spent all day Saturday sober. And felt pretty good. Like, I felt like I was kind of, like, recovering. I was like, okay, I talked to some people. I feel like I'm feeling a little bit better. And then Saturday, we went to the casino. And I was on a little bit of a tear. So I started drinking. Fucking idiot. And I get back to the place that we're staying at. And... Kevin's there and I'm talking to Kevin and Kevin is like the person I'm closest to now because I work with him talk to him all the time like you know and you guys know Kevin he's a big macho guy like 
I'm sitting there thinking like, this is like going to be harder than telling Allie. Cause what the fuck is this guy going to think of me? Mm-hmm. So I just, it's like one fifteen in the morning. I just explode and just start bawling my eyes out and tell him what's going on. And you just never know how someone's going to react to that. And, for, and Kevin goes, well, first of all, like you should be so fucking proud of yourself for talking about that and saying something about that. And second, you know, gone through hell with some of this stuff too not myself but just people i know like you can always talk to me about this stuff and like for me i was like fuck dude like everybody is there and cares and you know it was a big thing for me so i went home the next morning and that was the last time i had a drink i quit drinking as of that saturday night i've been sober at six or seven weeks i don't know it's nothing to be like a Mm-hmm. celebrate necessarily but it's just I feel so much better well you can't get to seven without doing one so yeah it's not something to not be proud of yeah and the thing is is like it's cool because like I actually actively know that like I'm not going to drink again because I know what it does to me well, and and you got good people around you I do plug uh what's your Tyler your brother-in-law yeah he's sober yeah and he's so sober he's got all the steps and tools to help you so and he does it he, he's super cool guy. Eight years sober, something, yeah. like, something crazy. He's just one of the coolest Come, people on planet comes Earth. To, he came to a DGA event. <laughs> he comes did. to all the parties. And it's just how do you exist in that? You know, not that, like, I can't relate to anything that you just said. Uh, but it's definitely, like, when I do feel like, God, I need to slow down on drinking. Mm-hmm. But then it's, like, the social part of it. It's yeah. like how, you know, so that's the one part. <laughs> I'd like to be better. Yeah. You know? So to shamelessly plug this right now we are drinking arnold palmer's tonight that's true in honor of our guest uh zach and they are they are very delicious see i'm crushing just it as a bartender so i also can't sober up just based on that <laughs> so you know if i'm doing virgin drinks great too i'm just gonna quit my job sorry logan <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but uh anyway carry on um well i wanted to touch on something that you talked about about how you were saying like you feel like as the you never said it but you were saying it like as the guy like the like yeah Allie's chasing her dream she's the baller we baller in quotes I mean she's a badass for sure but like you want to be the one you want to supply and you know take care of the fam and I think that's something that should be pointed out because I think a lot of times with men in this world that we try to take on that role and responsibility like it's supposed to be all ours mm-hmm. and it and it can be if that's fine in your relationship that's another point but it's something that you're right those planes are really loud on this mic i'm telling you <laughs> dude i and you know sorry that, i didn't mean to cut you no, off i think I, you're saying I, something very trust important me, they, get, just, it, they get to me too and for those of you listening because zach did tell us he's like no i don't really hear it but it's it's the headphones i think they yeah. blow it up because they, they blow it up anyway please continue yeah. i didn't mean to cut you off it's so just, that was our first that's line. the point i wanted to make about like the male aspect of this i mean most of our listeners are male yeah and so i hope that a lot of the people that listen to this episode will will catch on to this that you know it's it's a lot harder and this is where me and you have talked privately about how it's such a big step for a male man to come out and say like hey i have i have some demons i have some problems and that's not easy to do for anybody and i think you know not to knock women out there but it i feel like they're more open about it Mm -hmm. you know it's you know yeah it probably it's the way our society is. Well, that's it's, what I was about to say. Culturally, it's, you you have not been helped. 
and I'm not blaming anyone, but no. it's like you've been in a fraternity, you've been in athletics, you know. Yeah. At no point are any of those spots, like even when you were just referencing Kevin Fulfer, it's like, oh, he's this big macho guy. Here's a shit. Kevin might have problems. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know what demons Kevin's dealing with. Everyone knows my problems. Pretty fucking open. <laughs> I'm pretty honest. Constantly yelling him at the fucking ceiling. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, but that's, that's the thing is like, I, I don't have real problems, and I've always said that. So I try and. Uh, Unfortunately, the way I found out about Zach, and I say unfortunately only because you should just never do this. Like, there's things that you just wow. shouldn't say. And I shit talk with the best of them. That's true. And I did uh, make a joke about Zach doubling his dose of medication. Mm-hmm. Not This was a long time ago. Sure. But right, it's still... Right? No, I'm just saying yeah, for, it's, for it's, so people have the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, long time ago in the course of, like, four years. Yeah, it was like, years, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and it struck a nerve that I was unaware of existed because I was just being a dick, and uh, it goes up there. You know, I think I think joking about mental health issues uh, definitely should not be something you make light of, especially, you know, you don't know what people are going through. And, and I will say that our, you know, and this is definitely a knock on our friend group, we, like, we're getting better now, but our friend group probably before <laughs> this year for like a four or five year stretch, we were ruthless. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, ruthless. and I was right there in it. Like I wasn't. Yeah. I was just as guilty no, as everyone. Yeah, no innocent parties. Like all fifteen of us are oh, yeah. ruthless. And I'm talking to the. I mean, you guys know. I mean, and we were close, so we didn't think of anything. We didn't. We, we didn't, don't think about how something can affect someone or how know? bad it hurt you. Or right. did did you actually hit a nerve? You know, right. you just, were just saying to say the most outlandish stuff to get a rise. Because Zach only told me about this like a comment I made years ago, months ago, maybe right. maybe a little bit more than that, maybe a year. Oh, yeah, because yeah. it was during I think the first year of the DGA board that yeah. we set up. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we were going at it for oh, the yeah. first year. Well, because so we have the inaugural season that we didn't really have any structure to, like where you had your tournament you set up at Morgan Creek. Yep. Uh, we set up the final in Teal, at Teal Bend at the end. Uh, I won that one. Yeah, and you did. I, you I did. you I do did have a blue jacket. You know, it's not a good look that the board has so many blue jackets. But hey, you know? well, and, and my blue jacket was first gen, so like the the badge is actually safety pin oh, to it. So. Love it. <laughs> it's kind of dope, actually. So, but uh, but yeah, so we we definitely were button heads about everything, structure, just bravado, egos. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, my lack of caring or understanding or being sensitive to things and just being a dickhead, but. We have grown up a lot. That conversation pretty much is when we turned a corner and everything seemed like it's been cool. Like I credit you and I said it in a text message, but I'm not, I'm not going to lie about it or or hide it. I think that, you know, if you're friends with Brendan, your friend with somebody that's loyal and will always be a good friend to you. And we just, I I think we just didn't click in that. Uh, You struck some really aggressive nerves with me and I would fire back so aggressively because, and it's not like you would always start it. I'm not saying that for any stretch, but it's like we would always dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And it was like, it was really fucking me up. Oh, and I would, I was the king of jumping in. I might not have had anything to do. Like Bardet and Zach could be talking and they could be having their own little argument. And I would just come in and just stab maybe both of them. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to shit talk both of them, get in there and just 
just being a dickhead. And but I think that that, like I was saying, that's part of the environment that we allowed our friend group to get we to. Definitely created a very toxic masculine. It was bad group for like guys. four or five years, and but we're better now without I think. thinking too, because we didn't realize it was fucking people up until I think it really hit last uh, playoffs. Mm-hmm. When, like, Elliot and Bardet were just like, yeah, we don't want to talk to Brendan. He's taking things too far. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's not fun. Like, that's – you don't want to ruin anyone's day that far. Uh, and, again, it's – I won't air Elliot's dirty laundry, but Elliot was going through something I didn't know about. Yeah. And I happened to, again, hit a fucking nerve. You're the fucking core <laughs> like, of all of us, man. I, and I got a text from Nick of, like, hey, man, why don't you chill out? Uh, he actually is going through some stuff. And I'm like – Oh, cool. Good for me. Good for like, me to know. Yeah, yeah. Again, again, here I am thinking I'm just shit-talking the Raiders and the Bengals game, and I'm destroying Elliot mentally. That's fun. Well, good, the other thing good about friend. that, too, is, like, when I talk shit, like, I'm thinking, like, fuck, you guys probably feel like I do, and I really made your fucking mm. day horrible. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I ask you, and you're like, oh, yeah, I brushed that off, like, a week and a half ago. That like, that okay, is that cool. is the wor- that is the worst part about hearing what how you feel and that like you know the acceptance thing because I've never disliked you. That was the thing. Like even when we had our little falling out there, yeah, it was when like you left your shoes at my house. Yeah, when I left the shoes at that. Yes, because by the way, we weren't talking casually at my <laughs> no, Christmas no, no. party. You punched I, me in the face. I did. I know. I said. I said. That, I said that. I was like, yeah, Zach and I were down the street talking. No, Zach and I were down the street. I think I tried to headbutt him at one point. You so. and I were down the street. Punching me in the face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, I punched Zach on his own front lawn. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good, it was a good fucking night for me. Um, but yeah, again, I think since I've kicked off this podcast, I've said I don't know how people are still friends with me, but they are, and maybe it's because of what Zach just said. Is you know, it's like eighty percent good, twenty percent real, real shitty. Yeah, but uh, we've come a long way. And yes. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm glad we had you on to talk about this, mostly for what Keith just said, because I yeah. do think. Uh, so, for those of you listening who definitely don't know, because I just told Zach yesterday, my mom is a 25-year mental health professional. She uh, actually is very involved with Shasta County Mental Health. Uh, she was a therapist for about a decade um, up in Reading, and uh, she she was very excited to have us have this conversation because mental health affects guys more negatively than it does women because women, like as Keach addressed, they talk to each other more. They're going to be the ones to seek help. Mm-hmm. You're the one who's going to wear it and be like, oh, guys have to do X, Y, and Z, as you've said. And you're going to, like, you even tried. Bury well, it deep down inside yourself. I don't, I haven't done a ton of research, but if, so if this is, if I'm wrong on this statistic, but I feel like I remember reading it where men are far more successful. Yes. In attempts. Yes. So even if it's who, however many people or whoever it is men like and that's one thing that i'll get to it's not all doom and gloom we can talk about like where this past month has been for me but the one thing i'll say is like the hardest thing about it was i keep thinking to myself now i kept i, I told myself for 15 years it's not that bad like that's what i kept saying to myself it's not that bad you're gonna be okay it's not that bad what if one time, just one time, just one time, I couldn't tell myself that? Yeah. What if that happened after my kids were born? Mm-hmm. And my kids are stuck to live a shit life without, uh, a life without their dad, mm-hmm. which would in turn be not what it should be. Right. And that's the thing that I, I, I struggle with the most is like I told myself for so long 
everyone feels like this. It's not that bad. Like it's not going to be that bad and you can always get better. But if just one single time I almost did, but one single time I didn't do that, I'd be, I'd be gone. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the toll that that would have on everyone around me. Like I imagine it would fuck a lot of people up and they'd be like, what the, what, like why? Mm -hmm. It would fuck a lot of us up for yeah. sure. I mean, I can tell you firsthand. Yeah. It would definitely. And, and I look around. Not to be selfish, but, you know, you have the family. Not to say that that should be something to, like, add more pressure. But, like, yeah, we would be messed up. Family would be messed up. It yeah. would be not I, not good. And the thing is, I look around my life and, like, I'm doing great. Right? Like, I have a truck that I love. I have a great house yep. that I, you know, I've been selling houses and doing yep. that. I have no problem with money. I have a right. great family. I have a ton of friends. Mm -hmm. I'm a below average, but enjoyable golfer. <laughs> like I, I have so much going for me and there's so much ahead of me. And the other thing that I think about too, is it's like, and I'm, pr I'm, I'm proud of this is like, look how far I've gotten despite the fact mm -hmm. that I have these I thoughts. I was going to bring that up for it's sure. It's like, so I told myself like, and I know you guys, if you guys have questions or you want to interject, I was no, going to talk about the last, uh, but like... So, unfortunately, my questions, you knocked out when talking about it. It was going to be more of like, how did you know? Okay. You know, uh, when did you first realize? Yeah. And you hit all those because that's, I think that's what, for me, to tell listeners is like, how do you, how do you know? Because like you just said, don't you all feel this way? Yeah. And it's like... No. Oh, I don't and you don't want to ask that question. No, no, no. Well, but it's I, hard to ask that question, mm -hmm. but like... Well, and I was going to ask because... You know, I don't know too many, well, male or females, but I don't know too many males with, you know, these type of feelings. But I would think that not a lot of them come from, like, a tragic event. I would think... It could would be, be inspired, and it doesn't have to be. That's what I'm saying. So it's I genetic. I found out at 23 that my dad is also mm -hmm. depressed. Yeah. and. Cause no, you think, no fault to Rick Leibel, but think, like, yeah. you know, like that's one thing I'll change is that's something I'm going to have an active and open conversation with my right, kids about, exactly. you know, like not to fault him. It was, he's from a different era, Yeah. but and like, we, I don't even know when he was diagnosed and we're in a different era. Right. And even us, it's not been okay to be open as a man yeah. and all that, you know, maybe our kids will, you know, I don't have a son, but maybe Copeland's era will, yeah. will, and hopefully conversations like this push the envelope for that because i think it's very important yeah and i guess like kind of just to give you guys like the update obviously I told you i no longer drink right. um the other thing that i decided to do was i decided to finally see somebody mm. and talk about it and i don't i'm not going into therapy yet like i'm having i'm I, I'm, I'm struggling with some of it to be honest with you like mm -hmm. there's some things that i can accept and that I, i'm afraid to start doing because, like, I don't think, like, I'm a big chemistry guy. Like, I want to understand why something happens, the science behind it. I don't need to reli relive trauma. I don't need, like, mm -hmm. it's like I've accepted that I have this, but, like, what's going on up here that makes that happen? So I've talked to doctors. I've talked to one of my really close friends um, actually is in pharmaceutical sales with a specialization in mental health or mental health. Mm -hmm. So he's the one that originally told me about, Hey, look out for this, look out for that. And, you know, I called him and told him, I was like, Hey, you know, I've spoken to a few people. I've been, con I've confirmed that it's this version of it. And he's like, okay, cool. Well, that's good. The reason that I say that is because if you are bipolar depressed, you would take one certain type of 
XYZ. And if you're um, severe, the, what I have, he's like, you're on SSRIs or whatever it is. And, and essentially the difference is this one attacks serotonin and this one attacks dopamine. And you want to make sure that you're hitting the right receptor because if you're hitting the wrong receptor, it can cause even worse situations. Yeah, that makes sense. So like if you're overdosed on dopamine with no serotonin, I, I don't know the science. I don't, it's beyond my pay grade, but right. um, I ended up, when I got home from Vegas, I had a pretty open dialogue with Allie about it. And just like everybody else that I've talked to, it was like, I'm proud of you. Like, thanks for being honest. She's graceful in how she accepted it. And she was like, let's take this at your, your pace, like what you need to do. And I was like, well, the first thing I want to do is I actually want to start antidepressants. Mm -hmm. So, um, pretty much right away like I before it feels like before the conversation was done I told Allie this is what I want to do and she has an appointment book for me right. because she's like she's always been like you got to handle this on your terms mm -hmm. and, and as soon should, as yeah, yeah. with and, support obviously but right she was always there to listen and like I can think of like times where I would sit on the ground crying like I don't know what I'm doing in my life like I don't and she's coming in there it was never like we never like I don't know why I'm here it was more like I don't feel like I'm going anywhere I feel like I need to be more I feel like you know things like that and like there's conversation sitting in like I can vividly remember sitting in Tatum's nursery before she was born and here comes Allie eight months pregnant waddling in and I'm just sitting there on like curled up in the fetal position like what the fuck am I doing and mm -hmm. you know but anyway like I decided that the first step that I wanted to take was an was taking antidepressants so I got on a very low dosage of an SSRI Lexapro um, and I took that for a month and my understanding of it is that an antidepressant should have regression of all symptoms, like 100% regression. So I took it for a month, and I would say 28 out of 30 days, I was very good. Mm -hmm. I had two really, really, really hard days. Two really hard days. What days of the 30 was, like day two, day eight, do you remember? It was kind of like right in the middle. Like mm -hmm. one was like towards the end of the 30 days, and one was like probably 15 days in. Mm -hmm. I don't have the exact count, yeah, yeah. but... The thing that I can say is they were inspired by arguments. And I apologize, I'm not going to air our dirty laundry alley, but we had some arguments yeah. like normal married couples do. And mm -hmm. like I, it kicked me out of like this high that I was in. I don't like using the word high, but at the same time, like that's like kind of what it is. It's the it mental yeah. stability yeah. piece of it. So ultimately, I told the doctor all the while this was going on, sidebar. Make sure you guys are getting like your physicals done and your your blood work done and He's things like that. He's talking to you. I'm talking <laughs> about in general. Like no, I, I, I I went in and like simultaneously this happened. Like we caught on the side that I had an unheard of level of bad cholesterol. Right. I remember, triglycerides. Right. I heard this in the not heard. I remember you telling us this. Yes. So. I ended up on medication for that too. And like they, the doctor was like, you're 30 years old. This is fucking insane. Yeah. Like he didn't say the F word, but he's like, this is fucking insane. Right. right. More or less. And like I got, when the blood results came in, they're like, Hey, we need to talk to you. Can you come in for, or can we have an appointment with you? I was like, yeah, what do you think of tomorrow? They're like, no, can like we zoom you right now? And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm what freaking out. Going on? Yeah. So I run out of the room and get on a zoom call with them thinking like, they're going to tell me like, some horrible thing like can't I, right. I don't know right. like I don't yeah. know what's gonna happen but then they're like your your heart is fucked you're like a walking stroke right now like that's what they basically alleviated it too right so I'm like oh shit so I'm like what do I do and they're like okay you're gonna go see a cardiologist and then they're I was like okay cool when are you gonna refer me like what are you gonna do and you know I went and saw a cardiologist a couple weeks ago or whatever it was and they had put me on phenofibric acid which is a I don't know it helps your triglyceride levels mm-hmm so I went in and I talked to the doctor and I told him like, you know, I got a blood test done 
for something else, uh, testosterone checks, because I'm being honest at this point, fuck it, I'm going to say whatever I'm going to say. Like, I was like, what else is wrong with me? I'm checking my testosterone level, checking everything. And I, the side blood work for the testosterone check, they did my panel again and they're like, and I got it back and my triglycerides were 140, which is a normal level. Mm-hmm. So I told the doctor, I was like, yeah, I got a blood, I got another blood test and this is it. I gave it to him and he's like, this is so strange. Like you're on the pheno, the uh, the acid. blood medicine, yeah, yeah, the acid stuff. So it could be that, but it could be, he's like, did you change your diet? I was like, yeah, I literally stopped eating carbs. Like I don't eat fast food anymore. Like right. it, you know, the, try to eat keto just to try to be pretty kind of thing, but whatever. <laughs> but so I'm on this diet thing and I tell him and he's like, but it's still like strange. Right. And I'm like, okay, it's strange that it dropped that quick, that quick and right. that aggressive. Right. It was at 1282 is at 140. Jesus. Yeah. And the, the normal <laughs> levels are at 150. Yeah. So I was like, so he's like, it could be this or it could be that. And this was, it could be the, the medicine worked or it could have been a falsified or like a bad test or something mm-hmm. like that could be any number of things. And Ultimately, he's like, just get off the phenofibric acid. Just live your life. We're going to do your blood test again in two months. Like, try to eat healthy. Do your, do you know, live like a normal life. But we're going to see what's going on and come to find out. Like, and I told him this. I was like, by the way, like, I got all my blood work done two or three days after I was in Las Vegas for Ty's bachelor party. And I, he's like, so you were binge drinking? I was like, I wouldn't say binge drink, but probably binge drinking. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you're that could completely fuck these levels. Yeah, yeah. Again, he's not saying the F word, but you get the point. So live a normal life and figure out, but you never know. Like you never know what's wrong with you. If that was really wrong with me and I didn't do anything about it and something bad happened, like you never know. So we're in our thirties now. We need to. Yeah. I I actually think you talked to Nick about this on his episode about like he had just gotten his blood work. I don't, I don't remember. I feel like I overheard a conversation you guys might've talked about on the cast. Either way, it's just like, look, look out for yourself. Like you got to check those things. So anyway, um, where was I going with that? I ended up a month later, I went back and I saw my doctor again for the Lexapro. And I told her like, hey, this is what's going on. This is how I feel. I had two day, two tough days, but she's like, yeah, like that's not out of the ordinary. Right. Like that's within the you know, spectrum. And, yeah. and, and she, she said like the Lexapro that you took the first month is a low dosage. It's a starter dose because your body's going to change. Like you're ch- it's changing how your brain's working. So right. we put, start you on a low dose. So we went up your prescription level and i was like yeah let's do it so they got me to 20 milligrams of lexapro which is um pretty normal i guess for people that have Mm -hmm. depression and i've been on the 20 milligrams for a couple weeks now and like i can happily say that like i'm in i'm in a world a new world right like i don't have those thoughts i'm not i'm more confident like I'm obviously talking about it. Like I, I have, a, a, I don't know. Like if it, it sucks because like you, th- I think about 15 years, it's like, if I just bit the bull and did this, who knows, you know? And, but at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm very happy with where I am and I know I've done everything that I could to be where I am, but it's like, I struggled for so long and I was in this dark hole for so long and I was just hiding it and not saying anything to, maybe a few people like a few people knew what was going on you know because I'd, I'd have like a really bad bad fucking day mm-hmm. like i can remember trace mccown when i lived with them i'm sitting in his garage like t- crying my eyes out and he's just like dude like i don't get it. like what's going on and it was just a really bad day and like I, I hid those for so long and it's funny because you guys like you guys know me as the person like you need a tile floor put in or you need your backsplash put in or all these things right i think that all ties into it though but that's the thing is like 
you guys thought I was just a very helpful person, but to me it was so selfish. Like all mm. it was was like, I feel like they need me. Uh, they, he needs me to do that. I I can be valuable well, we there. Did. And, and whether or not you do, and I know you guys are grateful for it, but there's a reason I've never taken a dollar. Like, it, I, I don't, yeah, I don't the, need that. It's like, the acceptance piece it, you were getting there. Exactly. Yeah, that, it adds up. Makes sense. I mean. Like, it's the truth of it, though, and that's what's crazy is, like, what sucked about that, too, is, like, I've always been, like, a, I, I like to think, and if you're listening and disagree, I apologize and you can talk about it, but I like to think that I've always been, like, a really reliable, helpful friend. Like, that's who I want to be known as. Like, if you need help with something, if you need help moving, if you need something, like, you can call me and I'm going to be there. But the hardest part about that was, like, I did all of that for so many people and did almost nothing for me, and I did nothing for Ali. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a, that's a huge pain hey. point because it's, like, she's always going to be there I don't need to do anything for her to be there. She's always going to accept me. So like I'm putting all this extra attention elsewhere and doing everything for everyone else. And like, I need this project. Okay, cool. What weekend are you done? And we're, ga- we're game planning. I'm fucking sending the tools to buy and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's not that I'm not going to help people do stuff, but it's like, that's, that's a huge thing. Like, that's a huge thing that I had to come to the realization. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like shit. Like Lee hit me up and uh, I would love to help Lee. Like I love Lee, but he hit me up and he's like, Hey, I need some help with floors. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Another reason to be needed. Like it's, it's truth. Mm -hmm. I was like, fuck. Yeah, dude, let's do it. I'm glad you abstained from that project though, dude. That was not a fun project. I did the floors with Lee and it was a nightmare. Well, they, uh, it's because you didn't have me. No, 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 no. <laughs> you, it would have been fun. It would have been fun to have you. There wasn't which floor there he was wasn't, talking about. Exactly. Well, I've never been to Lee's house. So. Dude, so he, he tore out the old shag carpet, had pristine hardwood floor underneath. Yep. But apparently staples were fucking free in the 50s. And so they had about 900 fucking staples that you had to that's pull. That's an under. That's more than that. I mean, there was it 900 was, per square foot. Sure. It was that it was, bad. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But I literally was just sitting there on the fucking floor, just pulling staples out. I was like, "That's this isn't a fun project. This isn't something I want to do. So there wasn't much that was needed. Keach tore out the whole shag carpet. Mm-hmm. And it was... Uh, Actually, I've done the nail project. I know exactly oh, how bad it is. Stupid. So you're right. I'm glad I missed yeah, it. Exactly. Sorry, Lee. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you All didn't, the tax strips. I've literally had to do that. I'm like, this is fucking... The dude, tax strips themselves are terrible to take oh, out. And then you take yeah. all the freaking nails That's down. what I'm oh saying. So the tax strips were coming up, and we're idiots, because we don't know what we're doing. So we just pull them out, and we're like, oh, we're good. And then I'm like, what are, what are all those metal things? Oh, yeah. Got to no. get those out. I no. had to crowbar for a couple hours, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Um, but anyways, yes, you you guys are Keech. It's it's funny because before we started, I was saying because Keech shouted out that James and I are two of the best cooks he knows. But these are the two most handy people I know. Apparently, Zach's is all self serving, but uh, Keech Keech YouTube has a, taught and self serving. <laughs> Keech uh, Keech actually has one of the best stories though about tools. Uh, our friend Nick might be the most oh, inept person ever and i know you helped nick with like what baseboards no he i put in his floor and baseboards yeah, and yeah. i will say and i'm gonna say this shout out nick actually did a great job like he, he kept working when i left which was a big sign of like yeah, learning progress yeah. and then he come i come over to like finish up some stuff i'm like okay cool how'd you do with this this and this and they've since sold the house oh yeah so like it's not that big of a deal to say this Thank but God, he's like yeah, I, was, down. I, did, I did this piece and this and i'm like oh yeah. <laughs> okay yeah looks great but <laughs> It's got to be. He did a really good job for what it's worth. It's First good, time, good, good job. Good to man. hear because in 2017, when they moved out of the downtown house across from Sandra D's uh, and moved to the West Sack house, 
calls up Keech and he goes, hey, I'm taking apart my bed. I need some wrenches. And Keech is like, okay, on my way over. Brings a whole set of wrench. All, I had, like, my plumbing bag. All he needed... You know you have your to-go plumbing bag. I've never heard <laughs> this. I know where this yeah. is going. <laughs> all he needed was an Allen wrench. <laughs> because... <laughs> He bought his stuff from Ikea. I was like, <laughs> I got a crescent wrench, I got a socket set, I got a bunch of fixed wrenches, I got a ratcheting half-inch I got all the wrenches here. Like, pipe wrench. He's like, how do you not have an Allen wrench? <laughs> yeah, they come with the thing. They give you like 30. <laughs> you should have a drawer of these. <laughs> Everyone has a drawer of these. So. He's like, no, I need an Allen wrench. I'm like, I don't have an Allen wrench. <laughs> Here's a pair of pliers. Good luck. <laughs> this is the only wrench I don't have. I brought you real wrenches. <laughs> So, so, so yes, progress. Progress is yeah, progress. That house, you did that project in like 2020, 21, something. So, mm-hmm. you know, four, four or five years of progress. He's learning. So, probably knows what an Allen wrench is. He'll definitely He's get there. Definitely not going to forget that one. But, uh, Noah, if you don't have any more say on this or? Well, I think that the only thing that I want to leave with, and if you stayed and listened to me, I appreciate it. But ultimately, like, there's never a good time and place to talk about how you feel. But just don't think that you're alone. And I mean, I'll talk to you. Your friends will talk to you. Like, if you're silently suffering, it's not worth it. Like, the biggest things that I learned is that just talking to people, it's like you realize how many people you have and how many people would drop everything for everything for you if you really need it. And it's hard because it's like when do you talk about this when do you say something about this and you just there's never a good time there's never a right time but the longer you go saying it's going to be okay it's okay like it's not that bad Mm -hmm. the more likely it is that bad the more likely something bad can happen so whatever your means are whether it's therapy whether it's talking to your friends or your family or somebody close to you or you want to get on antidepressants because you think it might help you i can tell you i was more vehemently against antidepressants than anybody on planet earth and every time that i would have one of these episodes ali would say like why don't you try this again and i i I created an entire lie of why i didn't want them i was like yeah i went to therapy i tried them but my therapy was sitting in a fucking closet in my parents house talking to the suicide prevention hotline an hour after i almost killed myself Mm -hmm. that's not therapy trying these things against your will is never going to work but if you really buy in and just think like I, it can be better than this and it, I'm not alone in this, like there is an, a million resources to help you and a million people that will help you and everyone cares about this. And it, I don't know. I just think that like, Did you I just feel hope it's more open. Like you said, you, um, when you first talked to Ty, then James and Fulford, did you feel like after each one, like a small weight was lifted off your shoulders or was it not until maybe the end of Fulford's conversation? You know what I'm saying? Dude, it was every conversation. I, f- I just started bit. opening up and yeah. feeling better. And yeah. like these guys are watching That's me my cry point. and break down. And it's like every time I'm like, I'm getting closer and like, I didn't say this cause I kind of forgot about it, but this is one way that I explained it. Like I explained this, to pretty much everybody that I've talked to. It's like, I feel like there's two me's. There's like the, t- the, the me that I want to be. Mm-hmm. And there's the me that is like depressed and sad. And like they were, at one point, they were one person and I couldn't differentiate who they were. And they, it was just constant battle in my brain of like, wh- what the fuck? Like, why do I feel this way? And then I started talking to people. And every time I started talking to people, it felt like those people were breaking apart. 
and there was like this side of me that I was fighting and I was actively fighting it. And I was working hard to, to get rid of it or to numb it or to, but it felt productive. And for the first time, I feel like those two people are, I'm not multi-personality or no, anything yeah, like that, get, but it's yeah. like, it's like those two brain processes, who I want to be and like the power and the courage that I have to talk about this is actually defeating the other one. And like I said, I, ever since I've been on this 20 mil, like 20 milligram, I've had no problem, like no thoughts, nothing. I've been, I felt, and it, that's every time you talk about it, every time you say something, less tears come out, more courage comes out, more pride in who you are and what you are comes out. And I, I just like, I think that's just incredible. Like I really do. I feel so much better talking about this stuff. Well, we're glad you did. And we, I told you this when we were talking a few weeks ago, I thought it was one of the more courageous things I've seen someone do in a very long time. And I, I hope that if someone, I, or when people listen to this, that maybe, you know, even like you, like we said off, off the camera, I always say camera, we're not camera, we're <laughs> off, off. We got the, a selfie though. We got you, a selfie out of this. You know, if any, if just one person gets something from this, then it was a successful episode. And I think I can already tell you it's going to be a successful episode because, you know, someone will get something out of this. And it might not even be for them. It might be like, oh, maybe I should check on my friend who I know has problems. You know, it could be anything, but it will be, people will listen. And, um, yeah, like I told you, it, it's one of the more courageous things. I appreciate it. Coming on here, not just coming on here, but even reaching out to us and talking to us about it, and talking to your and talking to Ty, James, and Fulfer, who are all our friends, and we, you know, but coming on here is pretty epic, in my opinion. You know, I don't know, you agree, Brendan? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, and he, because you know, as I said, we had a very up and down friendship over the last however long we've <laughs> known each other. 2011, he said so. Fuck, more than a decade. Yeah. I think it's twelve. I don't want to get in trouble. I think yeah. it's twelve. What? Whatever. So then we're not when Ali and I started dating. So that would make sense. <laughs> yeah. So he sips as he sips his drink. <laughs> no, I knew it was it was Ali, so it had to have been twelve then. But uh, I, anyway. But yeah. So for him to reach out to me was definitely a big move because, uh, like I said, he told me about the the problems loosely you've known about it you know since uh that day he was like yeah that was what really broke me and that's when i was like fucking pissed at you and again just shouldn't do that it's up there you know let's not let's not bring in any kind of because that'll help reduce the stigma Mm -hmm. you shouldn't you shouldn't poke at somebody for that's not a good joke it's not a good dig it's like yeah and again for what you know i I think that my problem is I don't think enough about like the effects of anything, mm-hmm. and uh, so I just say shit because, like None you said, of us do, though, you no, you. but you you're like oh, but you know you said this, and I'm like I don't fucking remember saying that. But I've <laughs> been so guilty of talking shit too, and it's like I don't like being shit talked, and it's oh, what's really yeah. interesting is like we had to grow up, but yeah. again, that's part of the climate, man. That's what we made. What's yeah. interesting though about this friend group is like I'm not usually the target. So, like, you target me more than most yeah. people. So I was like, God, fuck this guy. But, I mean, it's just the way it goes. Yeah. <laughs> then again, you target everybody. So. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I didn't really leave anyone. No one was safe. That's but, true. uh, so, as we always end, top threes. You should go first. Oh, yeah. So, yours is going to be the worst. Oh, list. yeah. Because we were talking about handiness. And, uh, we decided to do power tools. Loosely. 
figure out top three power tools that we would all use. As I just said, two of the most handy people I know. I did help Lee with a lot of his home renovations of his place. I It was mostly like blood, sweat, and tears of hard work. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just happy I didn't hurt myself. Uh, there was a day we were, uh, I don't remember what we were doing. I showed up in flip-flops. He's like, you fucking kidding me? He's like, uh, you're going to get hurt. I was like, he's like, you don't have closed-toed shoes? Uh, we were rototilling the backyard. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, so that would, uh, my, my rototiller is going to be my number one. Okay. Just because it, it definitely was a tool. That's a if badass tool. If, you, if you're using, if you need to till, if you need to tear up a backyard. There's nothing wrong with a rototiller. there were so many roofs. I think it's because I had fun, too. I just it's was valid. going through things. Lawnmower is going to be number two, mostly because, again, I don't you use, know how to use it. Yeah, I'm going with things I know how to use. <laughs> and number three, I'm just going with your good old fashioned power drill. Because, again, <laughs> commonly used tools by Brendan. <laughs> like, and uh, tools tools that I have, <laughs> other than the rototiller. But uh, th- that has to be the three. So I'll go first, and I'm going to go three to one. Number okay, three. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask that. You're, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm, I went one it. to three because it's Doesn't it's irrelevant. Matter, it's a <laughs> yeah. When the yeah. audience is, get, is engaged, you got to talk yeah. about the rototill. Got to got to give them a hook. So number three, I'm going to go Dremel Multimax. Yep. Obviously, because the versatility. Oh yeah. Anything you can do, you can do it with that. Um, I have a Dewalt. My number two is Dewalt 20 volt drill driver. My utility drill thing. I mean, Zach knows. Oh yeah. You can do anything. Number Hot. one, one of the most fun and very dangerous tools is my chainsaw okay so okay. before this backyard was remodeled we had a lot of trees and i got down with the chainsaw and Love i got that. A, and i have a badass chainsaw steel branded we, we, did you know i don't own a chainsaw huh. but that's not surprising because i where you lived, lived in like forests no you really haven't you've no. had pretty tame yards yeah yeah, yeah, it would have been weird of, to like have one of the ones I don't have. But having a chainsaw in your old house, that would have been an odd one. That's true. I took one branch off <laughs> of one tree <laughs> yeah, and I was drunk because we wanted to play cornhole. There was exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, better get the chainsaw <laughs> out. Where's the old reciprocating it was, saw? Wasn't that in the <laughs> neighbor's yard, dude? It wasn't even, it wasn't even your tree. <laughs> yeah, I, took, I took a bunch of the branches off of my neighbor's tree. Yeah. That was like it was in your yard. I think that worked. Yeah, it was impeding. Right. It was yeah. dropping pine needles, oh, yeah. and I fucking uh, hate picking up pine needles. So. Yeah. So let's hear it. All right. So mine don't have any, I don't know. This, this is hard because there's so many options. But my first one is the only one that's like a cheating option. I picked an air compressor as well as the hose and tools that go with it. It's not cheap. That's valid. Because an air compressor it's, is incredibly versatile. If you want to talk about it, versatile. Yeah. Um, number two that's not often used but incredibly helpful is I have a demolition hammer. If you you, you work yeah. at Home Depot, you mm-hmm. know what that is. But for Brendan, <laughs> think of like a flathead screwdriver, okay. right? But it's like really fucking oh, big. huge. And it, <laughs> and it attaches hammers? and it attaches to a, a an engine thing, like uh. a motor thing, and it's what you use to like take out tile, yeah. which is by far the worst project on planet Earth. So yeah, I was gonna just say ease of use of the demolition hammer is why it made the list. Demo hammers are nice. Yeah, and I, I got rigid. Yeah, rigid. That's fine. And you know that's how they. If you ever have a property you need plants. I saw them using that to mm-hmm. dig the hole for the plants yep. on hard dirt. Yep. First style. First style. See, I was I, special shout out. I almost put angle grinder because angle, angle grinders, grinders are, are fucking. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> number one is the most versatile saw on planet Earth, which is the reciprocating saw. Recip saw is nice. That's just incredible. And then I, for the first time in my life, I was like an old man. So all my tools had cords. 
because yeah. that's just what old guys have. Yeah. You know, they got the old like you black and decker fucking. A, you don't have to worry about crank battery. open engine yeah. or whatever. So I went with the battery powered reciprocating saw. I actually have two. I have a like a heavy duty one, and I've got this the like small hand. little single hand yeah. dude. They're so badass. Those so, are sick. Uh, those are my three. That's air compressor, demo hammer, and recip Those saw. are good. Yeah. I knew Zach would have some yeah. good ones for sure. The air compressor is underrated, well, I think. Well, the most, the most versatile tool is the impact driver, right? That's, I yeah. was like, I got to put that on there. I was like, this is like the one thing I'm cool and know, and so I can't put a drill. So. And also, <laughs> shout out to Zach, because I remember like a year or two ago, I sent him a screenshot from Amazon. It was the electrical reel. Uh, oh, retractable fuck. reel that could have made the list. The, it technically requires power. Yeah, yeah manpower. <laughs> so I have one. I, I sent him a picture. I'm like, do you think this would be useful? And he goes, fuck yeah, it'd be useful. So God. I hung one in my garage. So it's right in the center of my garage. It's oh. just a an extension cord with th- a pigtail with three uh, fuck spots, yeah. and fuck it's yeah, retractable. It's so nice. So oh, shout yeah. out to Zach for that because he was like, yes, you should get that. Absolutely, perfect. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate you letting me tell Dude, my story. I'm, I'm glad that you wanted to share. Being vulnerable, that's definitely step one, I think. Yes. So, so if anyone's listening out there, if you got uh, some demons in you, uh, talk to someone. Talk to us. Talk to anybody. DM get, us. DM us. Get DM the ball me. rolling. Zach, DM will, Zach. Zach will be tagged yeah. on our Instagram and Absolutely. his post, and feel free to reach out to him through I Instagram am, or otherwise. And so. the definition of a judgment-free zone. Yeah. I just had to tell you guys that I was testing to see if I had low T, so <laughs> I don't. I'm good. Good, good on good, that one. Good. I don't think we were worried about that. Yeah. Back to normal. <laughs> um, all right. This was the Wolf Ticket. Thanks for coming, Zach. Um, this is Zach Leibold with Brennan Staff and Chris Keach. And we're out. Toodles. <laughs>